They say it's in your blood, a game that can't be won, only played. A love affair, it satisfies the soul and frustrates the intellect. The greatest game ever played, golf. It's real. And this is Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper, son of legendary golfer Billy Casper. Talking golf with you for more than two decades. And now, here's Brian and Bob. Well, thank you very much and welcome in to another year of Talking Golf with you. I'm Brian Taylor, Bob Casper alongside as well. Year number 25 Talking golf here on Real Golf Radio, which is pretty amazing. Happy 25th, my partner. How are you? Yeah, that's pretty crazy, isn't it? Boy, we've been through a lot. We've uh, seen a lot. We've been a lot of places, and uh, it's been fun. 25 years. Awesome. Yeah, that is cool. Uh, we got a new logo up. You can check that out. RealGolfRadio.com, as well as our social, at RealGolf on X, and uh, Real Golf Radio on the other social channels. So uh, we're going to have some fun this year with that, by the way. Mm-hmm. We've got some uh, merchandise that we're going to put together for those that are fans enough or interested enough to have a little uh, logoed merch with our a special 25-year logo. Uh, we redesigned the standalone a little bit as well, having some fun with it. And we'll have some memories that we'll share along the way. Some of the uh, 25 years of golf as we remember it. Uh, you know, Once a show, just take a little moment to look back on, on yeah. some of the cool things that we've experienced and seen and done. Um, yeah, it's been a, a real privilege and a real treat. Bob, uh, you know, his just a, a brief history. Bob and his dad, Billy Casper, won the 98 Champions Challenge. I was a young radio guy at the time and covered the event and uh, interviewed him afterwards. And uh, we uh, became friends after that. I said, hey, do you want to do a radio show? And that started in 1999, just after the Masters. And here mm-hmm. we are in 2024 and year 25 of Talking Golf. And since that time, it's been a real treat to be around you and your family and some of the events that we've been able to uh, witness and some of the venues we've been able to play as well. It's a, it's a love affair with the game and fun to share it here on the radio and the airways. Yeah, we've come a long ways. That's for sure. Um, from the very uh, onset of just local radio and now national and and uh, digital and everything concerned, it's been really, really fun to uh, to delve into professional golf and golf per se, um, especially with uh, with a good friend. Yeah. So it's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. And by the way, we couldn't have timed it any better. There's this guy, Tiger Woods, jumped on the scene about the time we started uh, doing yep. our show, and that yep. certainly helped. And now we're in the middle of all this uh, live stuff, which has been an interesting couple of years. We'll talk about it next. Century is played this week in Kapalua. 24 season is underway. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Hey, welcome back to the show, brought to you in part by Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. You've heard us talk about this for a couple of years now. 2024 is the year that Black Desert Resort will open officially with the Resort Center Hotel, Golf Village, all opening up as well as hosting the Black Desert Championship in October on the PGA Tour. What an exciting time. Check out blackdesertresort.com. There are limited, and I use that, I emphasize that word, limited real estate opportunities. Don't miss out. Check out blackdesertresort.com to find out how you can own a piece 
of Black Desert uh, Resort. It's unbelievable. If you haven't played it, definitely get down and do so. The Tom Weiskopf Championship course is awesome, and it's going to be a great venue for the Black Desert Championship when the PGA Tour comes to town that uh, first or second week, I, I think it is, of October. So, yeah, really exciting stuff. The LPGA will follow in May of 25, and then you'll see LPGA in the spring and PGA Tour in the fall every year at Black Desert Resort in St. George, Utah. BlackDesertResort.com. All right, thanks again for joining us here as we kick off the new year. The players on the PGA Tour are kicking off the new year uh, at the Century. It used to be the Century Tournament of Champions, but the field was expanded to include the top 50 in the world, not just a winner's-only event. Nevertheless, it is an appropriate place to kick off the year, Bob. This is what we've been uh, become accustomed to the start of the year Kapalua, the beautiful views. I mean, as we sit here and do the show here in Utah, it is uh, light snow outside, just as you would expect a January day to be. But uh, man, to turn the television on and see those views is something else. It's a it's 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 a great venue. Guys can hit the ball a long ways there, depending on which way the wind's blowing and the slopey fairways that just seem to take the golf ball for, forever and ever. It's fun to watch. It is fun to watch. Uh, the field has been, like you said, expanded. There are about uh, 60 players now as compared to about 34 to 40, something like that, um, because of everything that they've done to uh, to include more in this event. But love golf in Hawaii, as the caddy says, love golf on the rock. And uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool to start a new year on the PGA Tour, not have it a wraparound year, but have it a start in January like we were used to for so many years and then ending it off at the end of August. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, rest in peace, the wraparound season. That will not be the case anymore. We will have FedEx Cup fall, uh, which I just referenced, uh, referring to the Black Desert Championship being a new featured event on that schedule. But yeah, we're talking about January through August, right? And in August, so we got major championship. Well, let's just start with the players. You got the players championship in March. You've yep. got the masters in April, the PGA in yep. May, the U S open in June, the open championship in July. And then the FedEx cup playoffs take place throughout the month of August. And then whether it, this year, it'll be a president's cup in September could also be a Ryder cup year or whatever. So that, that is the schedule. And don't in, forget yeah. this year. Oh, the Olympics. That's right. Thank you. It is a special year. That's the first week in August. Yep. So throw that one in there as well. So yeah, it's a jam packed, but there, there's a nice cadence to it. There's a beginning, there's an end. And then there is this designated fall season, which I think is going to add more emphasis to those events, give it more weight to players playing that event because now they actually have the opportunity to improve their position. Yes to get into designated events the following year, you know, so there's actual, there's some, some stuff on the line, if you will. Now we talked about this as we ended up 2023. There are some who suggest, Hey, bring back some silly into the season. We see serious golf all year long. Okay. That, there, there is some of that, right? I think we enjoyed what, uh, I don't want to call it silly, what they did at uh, the Grant Thornton. Uh, but it's one of those kind of hit and giggle, if you will, those fun right. events 
to right. see an LPG and a PGA tour player playing together. I applaud. That was one of my favorite events to watch for the year. So those are there, you know, the father and son, yeah, uh, the with, PNC father, son, Yeah, yep. the championship, which is, uh, you know, not just fathers and sons, but the, the, the championship players and their, their, uh, their offspring, if you will, are playing. And, and that, that's a fun deal too, right? Tigers mm-hmm. events a little bit like that. It's a fun deal, even though there are world yeah. ranking points on the line. So I think this, the schedule, that's a long answer to say that the schedule feels like it has a good, cadence where i think it was a little bit lost in that whole wraparound before yeah and there are some changes in the schedule especially um some events some new events at at old places um and some that are going to be replaced um but you know the the first one that comes to mind is uh in florida where we're going to see instead of the honda classic um we're going to see um a different championship i'm trying to trying to find it right now um it's sorry the cognizant classic at at, in the palm beaches and that's going to be at pga national resort um and the champion last year at the honda classic was chris kirk so that's going to be um a, a major change um the mexico open is going from june to february uh that's where tony finau won um, uh, you know, so, uh, Houston's going to be not a fall event, but it's going to be part of the regular, um, FedEx cup events of that whole schedule between January and August. So there, there's quite, there's some, some changes, but it's all going to work out really, really well. And as you said, I think the cadence is much better now. One of the things that stands out to me as you scroll through the PGA tour.com schedule is ESPN plus. Look uh-huh. at the number of times ESPN Plus is listed on there. That That's interesting to see. You know, we've always had uh, Golf Channel and Peacock and, you know, those kind of things. And you'll still see them in there. But you, you see quickly, beginning with the Phoenix Open, ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus, ESPN Plus. So, yeah, yeah. kind of interesting. that the I, I'm not sure I'd heard a lot about ESPN Plus starting to carry – you know, PGA Tour, but that looks exactly uh, like what they're doing. In fact, I don't even see Peacock, interestingly enough, listed on the broadcast out, you know, after, what is it, uh, AT&T. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind correct. Of, that's kind of an interesting one. In fact, and ESPN Plus is included on those first events that also include Golf Channel and Peacock. So, yeah, really, really kind of some interesting things that are happening this year uh, on the schedule. Now, uh, the Sony Open in Hawaii is coming up next week. Siwoo Kim is the defending champ. That's the first full field event of the season. You will notice something that's a little bit ironic. This century is a $20 million purse with, what'd you say, about 50-some players, Bob? Yeah, 60 players, I think, total. And yeah. then next week, we have full field event, and the purse is $8.3 million. Yeah. So, again, that's this thing that we're going to watch this year is these designated events where there's a whole lot of money for the very best players and it's a rich get richer kind of thing. And, and players are have to be incentivized to work themselves into those designated events or they're going to get lapped. I mean, I'll just give you an example. The century is 20 million. Then we got Sony open American express and farmers that are 8.3, 8.4 and $9 million respectively. Okay. Also 500 FedEx cup points for each of those. Now you go into Pebble Beach, a designated event, 700 FedEx Cup points, and a $20 million purse. So, right? So there, there's that cadence. And then, by the way, Phoenix Open is 
an eight eight point eight million dollar purse, followed and by that Genesis. was designated last year. That one was, but this year it's Genesis that's designated, and it's yes. a twenty million dollar purse. So yep. there there are opportunities to play well in certain events and be able to get into the following designated events. I think that's that's going to be a huge part of the story this season. Yeah, and you know that thing is that big that ten, um, those those 10 players that play the best during those in between those designated events will be able to work their way into those more signature events and the opportunity. And once, once they start to a guy can start to get himself into those signature events and play well during those signature events, he improves his position and can stay in, as you were saying. Yeah, and, and that's a big deal. So, all right, we're going to talk more about the schedule. We'll talk about some of the storylines. It's an interesting time um, with this framework agreement between Live Golf and the PGA Tour. It's actually the PIF Fund and the PGA Tour. That, agree- that framework agreement deadline of uh, December 31st of last year has been extended, I think, into March and talks are also continuing there with PIF and the U.S. Base Investment Group. So uh, we'll get into that coming up. Uh, we'll also talk more about the comments from Rory McIlroy, Phil Mickelson recently, Greg Norman, and Mackenzie Hughes uh, jumped in and weighed in on the impact that he feels that this is having on the fans, uh, what he calls a bit of a circus that has been put into professional golf. So you'll hear some of those comments. Ryan Ballinger joins us next to discuss all of that. And then, hey, we've got so much to get into. The caddy will be here on the back nine. We've got some caddy changes that we'll get his thoughts on and way too early predictions for the majors and more. Keep it tuned. Kicking off 2024, our 25th year of golf with you right here on Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back into Real Golf Radio. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Appreciate you joining us. Hit us up online, realgolfradio.com and Twitter at Real Golf. I guess we're going to call that X going forward. I'll try to do better at that. But joining us right now, our good friend Ryan Ballinger from golfnewsnet.com, GNN Radio. Ryan, how are you, man? Hey, happy new year to you guys. It's still going to always be Twitter to me. So yes. I, I will never be able to call it that. So what do you do now? Do you X or do you tweet? What is, how do you, how do you, how do you put that into an action, action verb? And t- I mean, the Twitter domain is still the one they use. Not like it's X.com, it's Twitter.com. So uh, I guess it's still tweets, but maybe it's posts. I, I don't know, but uh, it's still Twitter to me. And uh, we'll, we'll, if I ever have to change, then uh, maybe I'll just leave the service because I don't. I think I'll just go on Twitter. <laughs> oh man! Well, look, uh, you mentioned the circus. Uh, I, I think it, you know. First of all, it's great to see PGA Tour golf uh, again this week. Uh, the sweeping views at Kapalua and the fact that they're able to play following the devastating wildfires and that kind of thing. But you know, the the thing that stood out to me is the Mackenzie Hughes comments so far. With you know the way he talked about. Um, you know, entitlement and that he feels compelled to speak to the fan who is uh, having to deal with the circus that's been going on surrounding uh, player defections and this live golf startup and all that kind of thing. Uh, what were your, what were your thoughts on Mackenzie Hughes, his comments and what do you, how do you see this playing out over the next several months? I, I became a bigger Mackenzie Hughes fan of what he said. I mean, I appreciate what he said, not as, 
just someone who works in golf media, but just someone who likes golf. That's someone who watches professional golf and cares about it and is a consumer of it because the last couple of years have been a circus and the product has changed. And it's been a bunch of guys who are worth a lot of money fighting over even more money, or at least that's the perception of it. And ultimately no, no fan cares how much money these guys make that, that that should have been clear long ago, but it definitely is clear now. And for him to be able to just kind of go out there and say, yeah, I kind of wish I was considered part of this group of set, you know, 25 guys that met at the, the BMW championship in Delaware a couple of years ago that I wasn't even thought well enough to be part of that. That bothers me that, that we have a product that's totally torn apart and I'd love to see it kind of all come together. That bothers me. The, you know, I don't really know what's coming next. That bothers me. I think he spoke not only for himself, but for a lot of people. And uh, I'm yeah. glad that he said something. Yeah. You know, the part I really enjoyed about his comments was that it's not a right to play on the PGA tour. That's, you know, it's a yeah. privilege. Um, and I thought, man, that's a refreshing comment, isn't it? Yeah. And, and it feels like it's kind of been lost in all of this. Um, that, being able to play professional sports for a living and particularly on the PGA tour is a tremendous opportunity. It's a tremendous privilege. It's not your birthright. It's not something you created. It's something bigger than you. And it's going to be here hopefully long after you, so to speak, are not playing professional golf. And that's the point of it. And I think the recognition at some point needs to set in and, and maybe it'll be years until this happens again, that golf is a niche sport with an outsized valuation coming in at the moment because of one particular actor. And if you go back and look at the Nielsen ratings for all of the most watched telecasts of the year, whether that's regular TV, sports, whatever, 96 of the 100 are live, but almost all of them are football or baseball. None of them are golf. Golf was like the the best golf broadcast of the year was the Masters. That had 12 million people. After that, the best was like 6 million. And that's, that's just not a lot. I mean, 4.5 million people watched a darts match the other night in Britain. And we have 6 million people who watched the U.S. Open. We are a niche <laughs> sport. Let's get over the fact that we're a niche sport. But and as long as this kind of money thing exists, guys who are in a kind of niche sport, a small sport, uh, they get caught up in their own world and start thinking about what they're worth relative to that world. And eventually there's going to be a reset, but I don't know when that's going to come. Ryan Ballinger joining us here on Real Golf Radio. So uh, this is kind of a kumbaya phase as well between Liv and Piff. We know they kicked the can down the road a little bit on the agreement deadline that was the end of uh, 2023. And so they're still talking. There's the U.S.-based sports group that's involved in the discussions as well. Rory went on a podcast on Sky Sports and and kind of changed his tune a little bit, softened his tune at least, and suggested that he was maybe a little too judgmental. Uh, Phil Mickelson jumped in and supported Rory in his words and said it's time to kind of put things behind us and, and heal and move forward. What, what do you make of the conversations that have come specifically out of those two players, and, and do, you, do you think this is all part of that melding process and that we're not far away from this uh, all coming back together? I didn't necessarily have the same interpretation of McElroy's comments as Phil did. 
I really thought a lot of what McElroy said was a version of something he said in the past that uh, other than that, he was perhaps too judgmental of players who took the money in the first place. But even that was kind of a weird flex because he's like, well, not everyone has the same money as me and Tiger Woods. <laughs> That's a way of saying I'm richer than all you poors. So I kind of understand why you might've taken the money. I don't know if that was so much a kumbaya thing as it was a, a reality check, so to speak, uh, for himself. But he still clearly doesn't like Liz. He still clearly doesn't like that this happened. He definitely doesn't like Greg Norman. I mean, none of those things have changed. I think he's just kind of softened and said, I, I get why people took the money. I, I may not have liked why it happened or how it happened, but I get why they took the money. Because I think at, at his core, McElroy is very much a people person and he very much cares about relationships like those. That's why he's kind of gone back and had a heart to heart with Sergio and they're better off. And, uh, you know, he, he's tried to get along with some of the Ryder cup folks who have gone to live, maybe not some, but some of the ones that he likes. And so I don't necessarily view the whole thing as a, just a kumbaya moment as Phil and, and Greg Norman have interpreted it, but it does seem to be at least part of a general kind of softening of the the back and forth here because eventually it seems like a deal is going to get done. It might not be today or tomorrow, but they're going to work out something. And at some point, someone's got to start the conversation on the PGA tour side of not being as publicly bitter about it all. And maybe McRoy views his role as kind of being the, the start of that. So as to say, yeah, I didn't, I'm, I'm still very bitter. <laughs> you know, I don't like what happened. But we have to find a way to welcome people back and, and maybe language is the start of that. You know, Brian, I agree with you, especially from the standpoint that Rory said he understands why the guys took the money. No doubt about it. Um, he didn't give any glowing recommendations or, or put a stamp of approval on Live Golf or anything like that. But the other thing that's kind of interesting about what's happening is kicking the can down the down the road about another three months to to March 31st, it's uh, it's only a week away from the first major of the year in the Masters. I find that kind of interesting that they're extending it out to that point. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a lot of people in the golf world, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody else, by the way, uh, we kind of pick the Masters as though it's, it's almost like tax day. Like, you know it's every year. It's kind of this important point. It's almost like a quarter ending in golf, so to speak. And you go, okay, well, if we get it done by the Masters, you know, then everything's great. And I, I think that's just kind of a date people pick out of thin air and go, all right, well, if we kind of get it sorted by the first major of the year, then we don't distract from that. And we can announce to the world when the biggest possible audience is paying attention to golf that we've all healed up and everything's fine. And this is going to be our path moving forward, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I don't think that they're necessarily trying to, you show up Augusta or anything like that. I think they just realize the most people are going to pay attention to golf is that first full week in April. And if they don't have something done by then, they might lose an opportunity to get the people back uh, because they've lost a lot of people, lost a lot of people's attention over the last couple of years. Ryan Balangy, golfnewsnet.com joining us. All right, let's talk about uh, some way too early predictions. When you start looking at this season and you look at major championship venues, obviously the Masters at Augusta, the PGA will be at Valhalla in Kentucky, uh, Pinehurst hoping the, hosting the U.S. Open, and then the Open Championship goes to Royal Troon. Are there players 
that just jump out at you as here's the guys that I'm excited to see play in those venues or somebody that that kind of you think it might rise. I mean, Victor Hovland has to be the first one that shows up. If I just looked at the scoring average of uh, from last year, they're in the top five. The only two players in the top five in the scoring average from last year on the PGA Tour that are not already major championship winners are Victor Hovland and Jan- Xander Shoffley. And you could at least argue that Shoffley has a gold medal, right? So, um, if to me, Victor Hovland is the is the number one guy that you got to look at if you're putting some money on a, a first time major winner in 2024. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's some thought that we love narratives, right? So I think I've seen enough people say, oh, well, Brooks will come back and win the Masters because he's gotten close so many times that he obviously kind of blew it uh, this past year, although credit's around for, for being the better player of the final 36. Um, you know, Victor Hovland's name's going to come up a bunch. I feel like people slot him in for a PGA championship because that's the perception that it's the easiest to win. That's the one that's most like a tour event. So Hovland's been great on the tour, you figure do well at a place like Valhalla that rewards a long hitter that isn't crazy punishing, but it's punishing enough. And if you want to make the interpretation about a Jack Nicholas design, then you've got that too. And Hovland won a memorial, the ultimate Jack course, so to speak. So maybe, maybe people think about that. Pinehurst, I'm just happy to see again in the rotation. I mean, I, I, I really enjoy number two. I, I think it kind of got a bad rap last time around after the Renault when Mark Keimer won because there was this thought that it's not as tough as it once was because the fairways are pretty much wide, wide open everywhere. There aren't five inch deep rough patches anymore at number two. That's, that's not what it is, but I still think that it's a great venue and you've got to be a good high quality ball striker to win there. Maybe not the best putter in the world because of the difficulty of the greens, but you got to play really well from T to green. And that speaks to me like Scotty Scheffler might win at, at Pinehurst number two. And then Trude is just a great tough, venue that I think people don't appreciate enough in the, in the open championship rotation. I think when you think of your best one, you probably think of the old course and then maybe go into like Carnoustie and Muirfield, depending on how your preference is. And then some of the others kind of get lost, but I think true in the solid a tier venue uh, among the open rotation. So uh, it does have a tendency to produce the weird champions, but I'm, I'm totally cool with that too. Uh, that <laughs> we, we need Brian Harmon's of the world. We need, new major champion. So if we get a new major champion at Troon, I'll go with that too. That's great. Isn't that where Justin Leonard and uh, let's see, Justin Leonard, Ernie Els are two that come to mind. I think that one at Troon. Um, and I believe if it was at Troon, wasn't it where they had the playoff and uh, gosh, I'm forgetting his name right now. The Thomas LeVay, Thomas LeVay picked up Ernie Els after the playoff win. Wasn't that at Royal Troon? I, Do you remember I don't that? remember that. It was one of these really awkward when, moments. When Todd Hamilton. Was Todd Hamilton true? Yes, he was. Because that, that was, I mean, that's one of the shock of shocks right after Ben, I mean, Ben Curtis was first and then him. Um, but that, I mean, that was the last, my, one of my lasting memories of true. And then you had, what, in 2016, you had the duel between Mickelson and uh, Henry Stenson. Mm, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. It, there's some great golf. It might not be what you exactly you expected, but it's been some really captivating golf at Royal Tree in the last couple of times now. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so who are the picks? Right down the line. Masters. <laughs> I thought he just I mean, gave us a pretty good layout. And you're gonna now, now you're gonna pin him down did, on it, huh? But I'm I'm locking him down Oh, to you're locking him in. Wow. Look at see what Bob's <laughs> doing there. So here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking right right now that and I and I won't actually put any of this 
money down until, especially with the Masters, till like three weeks out. But right. I would think probably I would look at Lake Brooks or Scotty for the Masters. I would definitely look at Scotty Scheffler for the U.S. Open. Uh, you know, skipping over the PGA, where I think Victor Hovland is probably the right pick, or maybe Max Homa. Um, I'd like to see. I think Max get that top ten at the last Open Championship, his first top ten in a major, is a significant deal. I think it's a big deal. Um, okay. So I, I think he can come through and break through and win this year. So I'll slide him for Troon, and then we'll we'll try those four guys for the the majors this year. I was mistaken. Nice. Ernie Els won at uh, Muirfield in oh. uh, 2002, 2002. And, then, and then Litham and St. Anne's in 12. It might have been the Litham and St. Anne's. I, I don't know. I can't remember which one the Thomas LeVay lifting him up. But Thomas LeVay, I remember, just went up to bait maybe like his belt line, but he like hoists <laughs> up Ernie Els when he won. It was, a, it was just one of those moments I just can't get out of my mind uh, when he... <laughs> Kind of like the, kind of like the Paul McGinley celebration after the you know when he won the Ryder Cup. There's a couple of things that just stand in your mind for the for, for that. But uh, anyway, hey Ryan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Uh, here we go, 2024. Hoping for a good one. And as always, we appreciate your time and insights. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it so much. Looking forward to talking golf with you again this year. You got it. Uh, check out uh, GNN Radio on iHeartRadio channel. And uh, he's got some TV stuff in the works as well. Ryan Ballingy, GolfNewsNet.com. More of the show continues next. Now, back to Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back to the show. By the way, this segment brought to you in part by Callaway Golf. And uh, did you see the new golf balls that they've uh, released? The new Chrome Tour and Chrome Tour X. Introducing the new gold standard, Callaway says, uh, with the new Chrome Tour and Chrome Tour X and a new Chrome Soft golf ball that is available coming up on February 2nd. So, they have, we're, by the way, we're going to talk, Jason Finley is going to join us next week, and we're going to get more into the golf balls. And um, we'll also find out Dave Neville uh, is going to give us the inside scoop on the new AI Smoke uh, as well, Paradigm AI Smoke uh, drivers that are out from Callaway Golf. But I'll tell you what, the, the new golf balls, they are squarely coming out against the Pro V1s and Pro V1Xs here uh, mm-hmm. by what they've done in rebranding these. And it's an interesting story. I read Tony's article from My Golf Spy, which, by the way, should be noted that My Golf Spy hasn't always been exactly in Callaway's corner. In fact, you might right. say they've been in direct opposition to Callaway and some of their product launches. So it's interesting that that he wrote this article, which made me intrigued to read it. And uh, sure enough, um, it, it was it was fascinating what they've come up with and how they've managed this. So there's no XLS anymore. There's no, right. you know, they've just kind of simplified this into the Chrome Tour and Chrome Tour X and yeah, we're going to see what happens. So uh, check it out. CallawayGolf.com has all of the details if you want to look through that. And we thank you for joining us here on Real Golf Radio, at Real Golf, and uh, on X, as well as Real Golf Radio, wherever your favorite podcasts are found, Sirius XM, iHeartRadio, GNN Radio, Sports Byline, and the like. And, of course, our flagship station, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, some of the things we were talking about, uh, Bob, was with, uh, the cat, with uh, Ryan Ballinger, rather, was about this uh, the comments from Mackenzie Hughes, right? And I think it's worth uh, playing some of these comments because he made some really good points about the circus, is what he called it, of which professional golf has kind of turned itself into. Here's that statement: The fan just wants to watch golf, you know. And I think you you watch sports for like an escape from 
other nonsense. But I think golf has brought a lot of nonsense onto its plate. And now you don't get just golf. You know, you get a lot of other stuff going on. It's a bit of a circus. All right, there you go, Mackenzie Hughes. By the way, who's in the century this week because Rom went to live and was thereby disqualified from playing this week. So right. he went from 51 to 50 and, and got in and, and uh, had a lot more to, uh, to say that we'll get to. But what's your initial thoughts on that, that the fan, he's recognizing that the fans are a bit weary of this whole circus? Yeah, I think so. Uh, the reason I do is because we know what the PGA Tour is like. We know the the standard that the PGA Tour, DP World Tour is set. We know the formats. We know all that kind of thing. And we're used to seeing like the West Coast Swing and then the PGA Tour going to Florida, then getting your first major at the Masters. And, you know, the, the Texas Swing and how the PGA Tour works its way across the country. We're used to those types of things. And they've shortened up the year now from January to August, where it was almost too diluted with another couple of months starting in September and going all the way through the end of the year before you hit the PGA, the the normal season from January to August. So I think he's talking about that, but he's also talking about the signature events and everything that's gone on with live and, and the circus that is that type of golf that they, the golf that they play over there. So I think, uh, I think what he's saying is the fan wants to focus on what they are, they're used to and not necessarily everything ancillary that's going on around this whole thing with live golf and what they're trying to do and the breakaway of the best players in the world um, or some of the best players in the world. Now, John Rom's going there. Now the PGA tour is signature events. They're trying to keep up. Um, it's yeah, it's just become this big round and round and round. Yeah. It's not even a breakaway just from PGA tour players and stars going to live, but yeah. the breakaway of the P of the stars on the PGA tour from the likes of guys like Mackenzie Hughes. And that of course is right. You know, increasing the purses and things like that. And here's what he had to say about it. So I just felt compelled to kind of speak on it that like not everyone out here is just thinking like, Oh, like let's make these purses $30 million. Like that sounds great. Like, no, it doesn't, because in two years, the PGA Tour will have no one sponsoring any tournaments because no one wants to pay these prices. Yeah, I mean, it's what we talked about. It's a bit unsustainable yeah. in the direction that they're going. And so you, all of a sudden, yeah, $30 million purses, who's going to pay it? And that was his uh, concern was that that's going to be a problem if that's what we're trying to rely on. And so from there, he said, it basically has led into players becoming entitled. It's a fine line. And I think that also <clears throat> there's a lot of guys that feel entitled out here. Like you start to see all these big amounts of money flying around and this offer and that offer. And people think, oh, why well, I, I stayed loyal. Like, where's my money? And it's like, you're not entitled to play the PGA, like you have the right, and like you are, you have a privilege to play out here, and it's it's an opportunity 
but it's not like anyone owes you anything. No one's, you know, forcing your hand. Like, you don't have to stay. You can go play over there if you want. Um, so, like, this whole, you know, the tour owes me something attitude, I don't like either. Yeah, so it's going to continue to be yeah. a bit of a, you know, a riff not only between Liv and PGA Tour, but also amongst the PGA Tour players and the elite PGA Tour players. Well, and you said the elite PGA Tour players, and I like that because it seems like there's maybe 15, 20 guys, maybe 25 guys at, at the most that are the ones that are really kind of um, setting the trend and making all the comments where he is number 50 in the FedEx Cup points, and he's kind of still sitting on the outside looking in, even though he's in all those signature events and his comments don't matter as much with the PGA tour and the hierarchy of the PGA tour as, um, a, you know, a guy in the one to 25. Uh, the other thing is he, you know, he made the comment about losing tournaments cause they're not going to want to pay. Well, they've already lost one. Um, that is a signature event and that's the Wells Fargo championship. Um, and uh, they've lost. They lost the Honda Championship, which which has a new sponsor now, but it's not a signature event. So these types of things are going on, and the PGA Tour is going to have to kind of figure out what they're going to do to appease the 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 players that are the members of the tour and not just the members that are the top twenty or twenty five guys. We talk about fracturing of the game. And yeah. the fact that this is, and Ryan Ballinger touched on this as well, being a niche sport and the actual numbers. And I've said this all along. Uh, the golf in and of itself is a very small pie in yes. the giant pie of the, even of the sports world, right? Sports is niche, you know, in the, the whole entertainment world. You've got sports, but then inside of sports, you've got golf. And golf is really small. So my, my contention from the beginning is, to fracture this up, to split the best players can't be healthy for the game. Now, uh, those on the other side are suggesting that things needed to change, that there were, um, you know, the players weren't adequately being caught. It's a similar thing to like a, a lockout or a, something you might see right. in, a, in a collective bargaining agreement move, you know, in some of the other sports. But the fracturing is deeper. What Mackenzie Hughes is recognizing, the fracturing has gone deeper than just the live versus PGA Tour, right. it's the elite players. It's this fracturing amongst sponsors. It's a fracturing amongst broadcast rights. It's a fracturing amongst fans. And so when you start to realize the the collateral damage that this has happened, y y y there really needs to be an end to this. And I think that's why he said he felt so passionately and compelled is the word he used to speak out against this or speak out and give his opinion to let all the fans know that not everybody feels this way. Not all right. of the PGA tour players are feeling entitled, feeling the person should go up, feeling there should be uh, rewards for those that were loyal to the PGA tour, all of those kind of things. It's a more a matter of putting the best players out there and the best product that the PGA tour can and make it a good value for 
sponsors, fan base, media, yeah. the whole likes, right? So anyway, yeah. good good for him. Good level-headed comments there, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Now, some of the Rory and Phil comments recently may give us an inkling that we're headed in that direction of putting this all together. We'll talk about that more on the back nine, hour number two. Coming up next, you're listening to Real Golf Radio. You're listening to Real Golf Radio. Talking golf with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. One day you'll get it. Here's Brian and Bob. All right, welcome back. Real Golf Radio, Brian Taylor, Bob Casper. Really appreciate Ryan Ballingy for joining us. Talked a little bit about the PGA Tour schedule here in 2024, which just uh, kicked off at Kapalua for the century. It's going on this weekend. Enjoy those beautiful views of Kapalua. Also, uh, Ryan got into some of the conversations around uh, the framework agreement extending into next year and we'll hear Rory's comments around that and how he softened his stance maybe a little bit and I don't know exactly uh or is it just him change having think, a change of heart or change of opinion I'm not sure we'll hear we'll hear I think he's softening his stance with about the players and their choices okay not necessarily about the not not the platform of live. live okay all right. right all right so we'll get into that coming up you also just heard us talk about Mackenzie Hughes and his comments and how he felt compelled to speak to the fans and the sponsors that not everybody is out here feeling this entitled we should add more money uh, and price ourselves out of the market kind of feel that he felt was uh, a problem. So interesting comments there. Hope you enjoyed hour number one. It's available wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Stay tuned. The Back Nine, hour number two, including our conversation with America's favorite caddy, is coming up next right here on Real Golf Radio. (laughs) 